Welcome to Dr. Kim West's podcast. Making your Christian life work. Welcome. I'm so glad you guys are here tonight. Um, I haven't gotten to teach a Bible study in years, so when Ellen asked me if I would, I was going to jump at the chat because I love doing this. We're talking about my favorite subject tonight, God. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing more that I want to learn about than God. And there's no way to get to the end of learning about God. So even though I have a seminary degree, I'm going to be learning along with you. We always go deeper and deeper and deeper as we pursue Christ. So who are we? Well, it's Ellen and Shelley and Amanda and I are decided to start up something here at um, Expedition, but we decided to make it a little bit different. We're saying this is not your mama's Bible study, in that this is the place to be able to be safe to say, I really doubt God. I'm really angry at God. He really hurt me. These aren't things that I would normally have said when I was in a First Baptist Church in Scottsdale. It was just not acceptable. But for us to move to a place where we have a life with the Lord that actually is functional, that actually is powerful, I have to be able to admit, not only to myself, but to others, sisters in Christ, that I'm struggling with who God is. So, this is the place to ask quote-unquote dumb questions. This is the place to say, I've been learning on this particular section in I'm I'm just really having a hard time agreeing with it. So we want to be interactive. We want to be connecting with one another. We don't want to force anything. Um, But one of the things is we're all here. We all have different backgrounds. Some of us know each other and some don't. Um, Even though I'm up here, I'm a real introvert. I can be at home for two weeks by myself and be totally happy. Um, And as introverts, sometimes it's hard for us to walk up and say hi and get to know someone. But there is guaranteed at least one person here that you can connect with. One person that you go, wow, we get each other. We can be friends. I'd like to do coffee with you. I'd like to know more about you. We do have a couple more seats up here, too, on this side. So I'm going to invite you to talk to each other. Maybe ask the Lord, who do you want me to like connect with? Because we want to move through this together. We're stuck with each other for eternity, so we might as well start to talk to each other now, right? Um, so I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping first before we get going. Hi, Coralie's here. Yay. She saved you a seat. Good deal. Okay, so... Right now, you've come to a Bible study and you don't have any materials. That's because it's all going to be done online because this is a new millennium, right? So you are going to be signed up into a membership site, which is why I need your name and your email and your phone number. Phone number because if I can't read your email, I will call you and say, what does this say? Um, Once you are signed up, and I will get this to my assistant tonight, She's going to be sending you tomorrow a login. Once you get to the site, log in. It's your place. Nobody else can read whatever you're doing. It's just for you. And so the book, which is this one, I printed out mine. 
um, is what we're working on. Um, there's about 10 pages per week that we're going to be reading, but there's pictures. <laughs> so that means it's not like reading a theology book. It's, it's designed to get us to really think about God and to interact with ourselves, what we believe about him, and where we go from there. The other thing that's on there is a study guide. Now, sometimes I have been in Bible studies where I look at the study guide and I'm just like, oh, seriously, don't make me do this. Well, this study guide's online. It isn't anything anyone else is going to see. I've designed it so it's a PDF and you can type right into it online. So you don't have to print it out, which is really nice. No one else can see it. So you can write whatever you want to on there and know that it's totally private. The study guides, some people really love them. It really helps them move forward. I tried not to make this busy work, um, and hopefully it isn't. And if you want to jump in and really interact with the material, this is available. If you are someone who likes to read and process and journal it, this is about you guys and your relationship with God. So do it however it works for you. And if that study guide works for you, great. If not, there's still cool pictures in there. So you're going to access the materials online. Um, and the other thing I'm going to do is record. Because like next Wednesday, we're supposed to get six plus inches of snow. So I'll be here no matter what. But some people won't want to drive in the snow. So we're, I'm trying to do an audio version. So this is actually attached to my phone. Uh, this, that's recording. And I have a GoPro over there. And between the three, I might get a good audio. And we'll get that loaded within a 24, 48 hours after we've done a Wednesday night. So trying to make this as accessible as possible. And the other thing is if you have to miss a Wednesday, it's not like you've missed everything. Um, the study's going to be dripped out to you, and it's going to be really annoying for some of you. Um, the reason I'm dripping it out is very strategic. I would be one of those people that would read through the whole thing and then try and go back and f slow down. I've already slowed you down. So every week, the portion we're working on is dripped to you. That means you can't go forward. That means you have to stay with whatever we're working on about God's characteristics and actually interact with it. Because I want us to slow down. If it says God is holy, I need to know what, not only what that means, but I have to know what does that mean for my everyday life? How do I deal with God being holy? Do I believe that God's holy? So we start working on just the section that's all you got to work on and it, like I said there's only about 10 pages per week to read so it's not going to be that difficult to stay on top of it but I have slowed everybody down so that we all interact with God in our personal time and then you come back the next Wednesday ready to discuss it now remember I said this is a safe place so if you come back and say I'm struggling with this let's talk about that Let's help each other through it. We have the same God, so let's start doing this together. So probably most of you don't know who I am. Is that true? Okay. So obviously, my name's Kim West. Um, 
I am, as my husband calls me, a scriptural snob. Um, so I went to seminary. I have a seminary degree. Uh, I also have a PhD in clinical pastoral counseling. So what I do, what my heart is for, is to remove obstacles to joy with Christ. And if that means teaching a Bible study, great. If that means healing your trauma, I'm all in. My whole heart is to remove those obstacles. Sometimes the obstacles are knowledge. Sometimes they're wounds. Sometimes those wounds have been there for decades. Whatever it is that gets us through this to get you to the other side where you actually have a relationship with God that is sweet and intimate and joyous, I'm all in. I work um, out of the office here, have for over three years as counselor. Most people don't even know I'm here. I'm a well-kept secret. Um, But if something comes up as we're working through this class, a trauma that came up that's connected to your relationship with God, let me know. I'll see if I can't help you with that. Been married forever. Um, (laughs) I was just working with a couple and I had been married uh, 12 years when they were born. So, (laughs) I know. I'm like, gosh, I really feel old. (laughs) Um, The biggest, most important thing you need to know about me is I really love the Lord. There is just, he has changed my life. When I came to Christ, it was like the Wizard of Oz where it went from black and white to color. I mean, literally everything felt better, looked different. Um, I was, have not been the same since. So my heart for Christ is everything that I do. Don't always do it well, but it's my motivation for everything. And then secondary is to help everyone that I come across to really fall in love with Christ too. Because there's nothing better than that. Nothing better than watching someone transform in front of you as the Lord heals their wounds. And they get to know him in a way they never thought was possible. So that's me. So, you guys all think you're in a Bible study, huh? Yeah, this is Theology 101. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Kind of tricked you on that one. Um, I'm going to drink some water. Um, We all have a theology. Probably never thought about it. Even an atheist has a theology. Their theology is that God doesn't exist. Now, theology isn't a scary word. It just means study of God, theos, God, ology, study, right? Like biology, life, study. So it's just the study of God. Now, on my first day in seminary, what I was told was that my relationship with God would suffer by studying him. And I was like, why am I here? So I've always been, if we take somebody or something and we study it, like putting it through a a magnifying glass, It becomes something outside, something we look at. It's not the same as a relationship. So as we study our theology course, I want us to all be very careful to not let it be head knowledge only. It has to move to our heart. You know who has perfect theology? Satan. He knows everything that he needs to know about God. He knows more than we do. But his heart is hard towards God. 
So knowledge is not enough. We have to get to the place where what I know about God changes who I am and then it changes my world. So we all have a theology and I want us all to be looking at our theology, setting it aside in a way to be able to bring in anything that God wants to show us. Because what if our theology is wrong? What if we've had it wrong all along? If I'm worshiping someone I made up in my head that I like better than scripture says, I'm worshiping an idol. Now, none of us has an accurate, completely accurate understanding of God. And even when we are in eternity with him, we're, he's still so much more vast than we are. But we want to know the truth as much as possible so that the God that we're worshiping is the God that he says that he is. Now, Donovan talked about worldly idols on Sunday, but we're talking about an idol of our own making. Now, there's a lot of us that um, will pick and choose scripture because I don't like that verse so much, right? That one bothers me. Um, And then we come up with our own understanding of things, but that doesn't make it true. So have you guys heard about the elephant and the blind man? You guys know this one? Okay. So I have an elephant and I want to understand what it looks like. So I send in this group of blind men and they each get a part of the elephant. So the one guy gets the tusk. Someone else gets the tail. Someone else gets the tusk the tusk or the uh, trunk someone else gets the ears and the side and so they all only get the one piece and they come back and tell me what an elephant looks like oh my gosh it's hard and sharp and dangerous no it's more like a snake and it's wiggly and you can you know it's pretty strong no it's floppy you can almost wrap yourself in the ear it's so big Oh, it's this big, massive, huge thing. I couldn't even reach to the top. Each one of them has an understanding that's only partial. So when we're looking at God and looking at his attributes, we're looking at his holiness. We're looking at his righteousness. We're looking at his mercy. Those are only pieces. So when I, um, I only knew part of God. I grew up in Catholic schools. Anybody else grew up in Catholic schools? We had, we had mass six days a week in Latin. So fun. Um, but in the church that I grew up, the Catholic church, I only knew one version of God, one part of the elephant. And it was that God was always disappointed in me. He was always angry with me. I couldn't do anything right. He was always watching for me to mess up. I always felt shame. Now, does God have wrath? Does he hate sin? Yeah, but I didn't learn about his grace. I didn't learn about his mercy. I didn't learn about his love for me. I knew his son came to die for me because I was so wretched, as opposed to he loved me so much. I didn't come away with an understanding of God that was a totality of scripture, which I never saw, but just what they told me as a way to keep me under control. Um, What if what I understand isn't based on a true story. So 
I leave the Catholic Church. I go through a whole lot of things. I don't even think God exists anymore. And eventually he shows me that he does. And I don't want to go to a church because my background is the Catholic Church. It's all ritual. It's all Latin. It's no, thank you. So somebody goes, hey, I know of a Bible study in someone's home. And I was like, perfect. Let's do that. That sounds great. Well, it turned out to be a cult. So at first you don't under, you just go, guys, it's not quite right here, but I'm not sure. They don't tell you everything they believe at first, but eventually I started to go, no, this isn't right. This isn't right. They had some parts of scripture that were really right on. And then some parts that were just twisted enough that I walked away going, I don't have any clue who you are now. So I took a year and I just spent the time in scripture and said, Christ, if you're God, show me. If you're not, show me. I'll believe anything. And after the end of the year, all I could say was, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you are the Lord. And you are God. And you are good. What if um, our understanding of culture and scripture and Christianity are all kind of blended together? So in the 50s, when I was born, because... Some of us are in the 50s, right? Um, our culture, our American culture, almost everyone was Christian, or at least said they were Christian. Most people went to church. Um, we based our movies in Christianity. There was a lot of it. Um, our morality was centered upon there. Our government was centered upon there. Um, it was the norm. So what's it like today? Okay, tell me, what's it like? In what way? They've taken God out of everything. Right. They have. And how do they see Christians today? Country bumpkin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Intolerant. Intolerant, yes. Um, self-righteous. Mm-hmm. Oppressive. Did you know that the New Agers are trying to pray us off the planet? They're going to succeed because the rapture is going to come and we're all going to leave and they're going to think they were the ones that did it. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, the culture has changed how it perceives Christians and Christ followers. The church has picked up a lot of the culture and moved it in. And so what's going on in the church, if I hold that up with scripture, not expedition because we're cool here, um, but the church corporate, I can look at things in scripture and look at things and how we're doing things in church and go, those don't match up to me. Um, so my theology can be mixed up with the culture and I got to go back to what does God say? Period. Right. Solo scriptura. Only scripture. That's where we base our truth. And then as I look at scripture, I'm going to be able to go, oh, where'd that come from? That thought, that little twist that I have and be able to get rid of it. What if your understanding of God comes through trauma? I've done a lot of sexual abuse counseling over the years, and I haven't met anyone yet whose theology was accurate because the wound is so deep and they have to put it somewhere and it's God's fault. I know, I did that. If we statistically go around the room, one in four of us has been sexually abused. So I'll go first. 
Um, and my theology was a complete mess. It's how I came to think there can't be a God. Because if there is a God, how does this stuff happen? Why is this okay? And then once I moved to Colorado and I lived up at 8,500 feet, and you can see the stars really good. Yeah, there's a God. How can you look up and not go there as a God? But now I'm really mad at you. Because I don't understand who he is yet. And because that's one of the things Satan does, is he takes the world and he beats us with it in order to separate us from God. So if I'm coming at God from trauma, it makes us question who he is. How can he be good? What if we think God is like our dad? My father um, hardly ever talked to me. And I remember one time coming to him and going, I need help with this. And he said, I have every, um, every indication that you'll be able to figure this out on your own. Meaning, I'm not interested. I'm not going to help you and you're on your own. So when I came to Christianity, I figured God was distant and disinterested too. And that I was supposed to figure this out on my own. Instead of realizing he was this loving, amazing, very present God who wanted to help me with everything. So that took me a while to get out of the, I have to do it all myself to being dependent upon God. But there's a lot of other things that we put on, even in a family that's not as dysfunctional as mine was, we still might see, we might have had a dad that was pretty good, but man, when he blew, he blew. And so I was kind of walking on eggshells around him. And we put that on our heavenly father, how we see our earthly fathers. So sometimes when I'm working with people with trauma, I have to do a lot of work with God as father, especially if there's been incest, to be able to separate the two, to be able to say, this is an earthly person fallen, needing a savior, and this is who God is, before they can get the healing. They have to understand who he is. That page is done. Yay. So theology, what you believe about God, determines your entire life. Even the people that say they don't think about God much, that is theology. And that is determining their life. What we think about God is everything. He is our life. You respond to every event in your life through your theology. So I'll give you a couple examples from my life. In August, we went to Durango for our um, anniversary. We didn't buy anything, but we brought back COVID. And um, (laughs) first, I got really sick, and then Bert got really sick. First, he wasn't too bad, and then he got sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. And then he had 106 fever, and his blood oxygen was 74, and he was in the ER, and then he was in the ICU, And every day that I called the nurses, he was getting worse. Uh, For those of you in the medical field, he was on 70 liters of oxygen per minute at 100%. So we didn't think he was going to live. So what did my theology do? Did I go, God, why are you doing this? I went, you're God. You're good. You don't make mistakes. Everything you decide for us comes through your love. You have an eternal picture. You know what this is doing. So if it's your will to take him home, I will praise you. 
I prefer he comes home. I will praise you either way. Because that's who I believe God to be. So I wasn't fearful. My heart hurt. My heart hurt that he was there and I couldn't visit him. It was very, very difficult. But I trusted that God is exactly who he says he is. Um, another incident, a couple years ago, um, we used to live in Young. Anybody been to Young? Yeah, that's a great road. I used to commute in to come to work here. And yeah. So um, one night, I spent the night here because I was going to be back at work in the morning. And I didn't feel quite right. And I kept trying to take my pulse, and I just couldn't. You called? No. Oh, I thought you were leaving. Okay. <laughs> so... I eventually drove myself to the ER with the, should I go? I don't know. I don't want to, you know, what if it costs a lot of money? When they took me back, I had a, my heart rate was 240 beats a minute. So that's four times a second. So that's pretty impressive, right? So all of a sudden there's all these people in there doing things to me. And they said, we're going to have to stop your heart to see if we can get it to reset. And I was like, okay. Because God's presence was there with me. I wasn't afraid. I was at peace. I was more fascinated by watching the team and how they interacted and stuff. Because my theology says God is good. He doesn't make mistakes. And if I'm going home, I'm going home. Two months later, I go in and have heart surgery. My husband kisses me and says, I'll see you later or I'll see you later. And we weren't afraid. Now, if we're to go into church and I was to stand in the front and say, is God good? What would I hear? All the time. time. Then what happens is somebody gets a terminal diagnosis for someone they love or a car accident happens or their finances suck. And then all of a sudden they're like, why are you doing this, God? God is not good. See, we say God is good, but we have to really see when, you know, when the rubber is on the road, do I really believe it? And sometimes I think God lets us go through things, so we have to grapple with that. Am I still good as this is going on? Am I still good when you are struggling and when things are hard? Um, So everything we go through determines our entire life. Every event is theological. Everything is spiritual. I know I'm weird, but that's how I see life. Everything is spiritual. Our Christianity, our theology gives us a worldview different than everyone else. So like if you're a Hindu, um, you believe that you get reincarnated And when you're reincarnated, you come back at the level you deserve. So that means if you are starving, if you're a starving child, dirty, homeless, and dying, I will step over you and go on about my business. Because that's your karma. That worldview says, this is how it's supposed to be. We don't intervene. I also don't eat cows, but hey, they're more important than you are, obviously. But then we have someone like Mother Teresa who has a theology that God says everyone is made in his image. Everybody has inherent value because of that. And so therefore she goes to India and she's picking up dying people in the street. 
and washing them and caring for them as they die and showing them the love of God. Our worldview tells us everything. Now, um, Alicia, I'm going to pick on you for a second. Alicia is a hospice nurse. So you probably see a lot of different viewpoints as people are dying and as their families are watching. Can you share anything about what you're seeing? Obviously can't tell us about names, but... You caught me on the spot. I'm not a very public speaker. (laughs) (laughs) But are you talking about more specifically... Are people afraid as they die? Are they um, angry at God? What do you see happening? Different scenarios. Mm -hmm. Um, um, There's, I can think of one where I was with a gentleman, and and all he could keep talking about was his um, time in the Vietnam War, and he flew a plane, and he never left somebody behind. And when he was talking about this, he's hallucinating, but when he's talking about it, he's talking about dead bodies, not living people. He went in and he picked up everybody's loved one, and nobody got left behind, you know. Wow. And just talking about things like that. But there's so many different aspects. Everybody has a different way of transitioning, I want to say, and dying. Mm-hmm. And some are um, just peaceful, and mm-hmm. you know, and and just uh, you hold their hand and then they pass away. And others fight it, fight it, fight it, fight it. Um, and uh, I think a lot of times when I see that, it's I always try to talk with their loved ones and let them know that that maybe they need they can still hear you, and maybe they need to hear some words that um, that it's okay or there's some forgiveness or there's some things mm. going on that, that they're battling leaving here because it's not done yet. Right. So right. So I can kind of try to lead them through that way, but um, I don't know if that helps at all. It's a very spiritual experience. Um, it's Each one is different. It doesn't happen the same, you know. Um, and uh, some are very, you feel very... Um, special that you got to be a part of and some you feel like I just wish I could have helped more yeah yeah so um but death is fear and and usually the patients aren't the ones in fear so much Mm. it's usually those around them Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's the where if you can get them settled in and let them know this is what's going on with them and if you can sit and talk with them if you can you know hold their hand if you can kind of try to see what's what's going on there because we're hallucinating and being crazy right and, you know and it's just um trying to get the family members to understand this right yeah so, usually those that are happening are they, they've either accepted their where they're going their maker or they know that they're not going there and that's been their choice Right. I took care of my mom while she was dying of cancer. And at the end, I was like, Mom, is there anyone else you want to talk to? And she said, only Jesus. He came and told me that I would be with him soon. So she passed really peacefully because she believed that 
the God that came and talked to her was the one that was going to come and get her and she would be with him. Um, in the last couple of years, it's been really weird, right? The whole COVID thing has been really weird. But what has fascinated me the most is the fear that it has brought up. Even in Christians, death for us is not something to fear. It's like the, ta-da, the door's open. I get to go in finally. Um, when my husband was dying of COVID in the hospital, I was like, this is, I'm going to be really mad at him if he gets to go first because that is just not okay with me. But I've seen a lot and talked to people that are believers that were deathly afraid of dying of COVID. That's a theology. That's a theology. Somewhere in there, they haven't totally bought into the truth that when we die, we are with the Lord. Somewhere in there, they are more attached to the world than they are what God tells us is coming. See how theology affects us? Um, I've seen people hysterically panicked in a store because someone doesn't have a mask on and they're so afraid they're going to get it. So um, everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Everything we think, everything we do, every action we take, whether we step over a dying child or pick them up and care for them. We don't get much of that here in the United States, but we do walk past those that we know need our help, right? So um, how you handle the good, the bad, and the ugly has to do with what you believe about God. So what we're doing in this study is trying to connect with the God who is other. He's not like us. He's different. The whole first section is called the God who is other. And you're going to see a little bit more about that. Um, Our week this week is that he is spirit and invisible. Okay, so he's spirit and invisible and he's in the room with us. We're going to also look at he is holy and pure. Holiness is a foundational thing we've got to get right with God because like the if I have God is good but he isn't holy then that means he could sin against us he could do something wrong if there's even a trace of anything in God that isn't holy let's go do something else because he is not someone worth following but if he is holy when the bad comes our way It came through his holiness. It came through his purity. It came through his love. We got to put all of who God is together. But we're starting with holiness because it is so huge. It will determine almost everything else that we think about God. If I don't think he's holy, then everything else has doubt in it. But if I come to the understanding that God is holy, then I can move forward. So, um, Job, uh, who's read Job recently? Yeah, it's been a while for me too. That's a hard book to read. It's a painful book to read. But Job hadn't done anything wrong and man, Satan threw everything at him. The guy had nightmares. He had boils. His family was slaughtered. I mean, everything happened to this poor guy 
And all he was going is, I want to know why. I want to understand. Why did this happen to me? I didn't do anything wrong, even as his friends are going, no, it's you. It's you, dude. You, uh, you, you're the one. This is happening because of your sin. But he keeps saying, I will talk to God and he will answer me. And at the end, God shows up and he says, I will talk to you, Job, when you can tell me how you keep the earth spinning, when you can tell me how you keep the ocean from coming onto the land, when you can tell me how you make the whale and how you do this and how you do that. What God is saying is, we're not equals, dude. We're not equals. You are not like me. I am other. And so just like I have a niece that's an actual rocket scientist. Um, she wouldn't be able to explain to the ant on the ground the physics of getting a rocket off of the earth. God can't explain to us most of what he does. So um, when I come to think God is other, I start to see him differently. When I'm, One of the things that's happened in our uh, church culture is God, Jesus is our friend. Right? And he is, but he's also sovereign. He's also majestic, magnificent, all-powerful, all-wise. I can't take that part of the elephant, he's my friend, and not have everything else about God there, too. He is other. That's the first section we're going to be working on. It's about, I think, three weeks' worth. Getting in our heads that I'm not his equal. He doesn't have to answer to me. Had he taken my husband home, he don't, I don't get to say anything about it because he's God. I'm not. I like to pretend like I am. I like to get up on his throne and I like to try to control everything. Um, but it doesn't work because that isn't, I'm not him. I can't do what he does. He is other. And once I realize he's God, I'm not, I can relax quite a bit more than I could before. I don't have to be in control of everything. Our study is not for head knowledge, it's for love. That's our goal. Our goal is to be in love with God, to let him love us back. So everybody's familiar with Galatians, fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. The first three are only about my relationship with God. So here's how this works. First is love. I have to be able to really receive that God loves me. And there's all kinds of blocks in the way of that. Most of them are, why would he love me? Um, He's let this happen. Is that love? Right? Um, But I have to get to this point where I can start to receive God's love. And I have to be able to return that love so that I have a love relationship with God. In that love relationship with God, everything else happens. So now I know I'm loved. Maybe for the first time. Maybe I come from a background where I'm never loved. But now I know I'm in this love relationship. And then the second one is joy. I define joy as someone is glad to be with me. That thing's really loud. Um... Someone is glad to be with me. Now, if I see myself as a wretch, if I see myself in shame, why would God want to be with me? Yes, I can say he loves me because he loves the whole world. But 
Why would he be glad to be with me? And then I'm not glad to be with him because when I'm in front of him, I'm thinking of all the things I did wrong, all the ways I fall short, all of that. But when I get to the point where I realize the joy of the Lord is my strength, when I get to where I really get the concept that for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross, the joy is that we would be able to have a relationship we couldn't before. So now I have a love relationship with God, and I get that he's glad to be with me. Now, what about when I sin? Everybody, most of us been parents in here? Wasn't it okay for your toddler to fall over as they were learning to walk? Did I get disappointed? No, because that's supposed to happen. I know that they're not going to stay there. I know that it's a process. I'm glad to be with them as they, I'm wiping their snotty nose or I'm helping them with a million different things and why they're, I'm on my knees praying that I don't kill my teenage daughter so that, you know, because everything in me wanted to kill her. Um, So I was still glad to be with her when she wasn't the horrible brat that she was. Um, But I would pray and go, God, she's only nice to me when she wants something. And he would go, yeah, kind of like you are with me. And I'm like, she's so disrespectful. Look at all I do for her. He goes, yeah, kind of like you are with me. I think I learned more and grew more when my daughter was a teenager. But I was still glad to be with her. I just, she was lost. And I was having a hard time with it. But God is glad to be with us as any parent is, even when we're messing it up. Because he knows we'll grow out of it. He knows that whole sanctification process is going on. And we're going to get better. And my favorite theological term is the already, not yet. We are already in heaven. See, God's not stuck in time like we are. So we're already there. He's already partying with us in our glorified state, enjoying us looking like Christ. We are pure and we are holy already. We just don't get to yet experience it because we are stuck in time. But when we get there, he's already been with us he is glad to be with us not disappointed in where we are now but a loving father guiding us and growing us until we get to the place where we cross over and we get to see him face to face so we have a love relationship with him and he is glad to be with me and i become glad to be with him and then there's peace he says in hebrews that He has this rest for us, but we won't enter it because we won't stop working. We won't stop working for our salvation. So I figure God's not at peace with me because look at how far I have to grow. Look at all the things I have to do still. How come I'm not more mature right now? God's at peace because his son already did all the work. There is nothing I can add. Um, There's a thing out, it's been for a while, called Lordship Salvation. Anybody familiar with that? It is, yes, God died for you, but now you have to make him Lord in order to be saved. That's Jesus Christ and that, no, sola scriptura, uh, sola scriptura, Christ only as well. So um, God's at peace with me. There's nothing I need to do. I can't earn his love. I can't earn his favor. I can't make him like me any more than he does. And he likes us all the same.
So he doesn't like me more than you. So now I have a love relationship with this God we're going to be studying. He's glad to be with me. I am glad to be with him. He's at peace with me, and I come to being at peace with myself. Now, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, that's this way. So when I'm not patient, it's because this is messed up. When I'm not good towards others, it's because I don't have love, joy, peace this way. So now every, my relationships change. The more I know about God, the more I understand, and I also have in my heart, the more I'm able to love other people and be patient with them and give them grace. And the last one, self-control. Uh, most of us think it's, I didn't eat the entire chocolate cake. Um, that's really not what it is. It means I'm being, I'm self-controlled when I am being exactly who I am in Christ. I am living out who I am. Because I got this, I got this, and now I'm feeling like, okay, we're doing this. I'm loving God, I'm loving people. Our goal of this study is love. That's where we start. Loving God and loving each other. We want to know the one true God, not the one we want him to be, not the one that we like him to be, um, not that we're going to cherry pick scriptures. God has wrath. Most of us don't like that. But we have to understand what that means because he is a holy God. So, of course, he has to be opposed to sin. I want to know him, not some semblance of him, not some... Uh, Christianity light version of him. I want to know a God that makes me bow before him and is humbled at the fact that he knows my name and saved me. I wouldn't have saved me. I wouldn't have picked me. For some reason, he did. But you know what? All of us in here, we are called. We are chosen. We are adopted. And we are glorified. Ephesians past tense already there. So if this is who we are for eternity, might as well figure all this out here because we can have all of that joy right now. We can have all that peace in any circumstance right now. We don't want to know just about him, although that's what we're doing here. We want to know him. And the more I know about him, like Esther, right? Rita, why? I, see, every time I look at you, I think Esther. I must have been it. <laughs> okay. So if I want to know Rita, I got to spend time with her. I got to know, talk to her, hear what she thinks, what her history is, what she likes, what she doesn't like. Um, if I make up most of it, I don't actually know her. But if I spend enough time with her, she and I get to know each other and we do life together. I don't want to, and I don't want to just read something about her. I want to know her. I want to know her heart. I want to know what God's doing in her and through her. I know she's in charge of the deacons, so she gets to tell guys what to do, huh? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you try. Um, you cannot come into the presence of God and come away unchanged. So one of the gifts that's in your membership site is a devotional called In His Presence. Um, I did this with the church ages ago, and it started out as I would send an email every day for 21 days to just remind people, God is with you. He's present right now. 
And people would come to me on Sunday and go, I can't talk to my employees the way I used to because God's there. <laughs> Good, right? Um, I can't listen to the same jokes I used to listen to because God is there. Um, and other people going, I feel so much calmer because God is here. So when we're in the presence of God, and we are right now, it should change us. Especially when it's the God, not the one I made up in my head. So we're going to be looking at who does God say that he is, not who I want him to be. The more I know of God, the more freedom I have. So if the truth sets us free, it's the lies that imprison us. So first we have lies about God, which is what Satan did right in the garden. He said, hey, do you really trust God? Is he really telling the truth? Right? God's not good. Got him not to trust God. Um, that created the whole mess we're in. But it's a lie right from the beginning that God is not good. The more lies I have, the less freedom I have, the worse my life is. So when I'm working in counseling, I'm always listening for what lies someone believes and we bring truth himself to that lie and it's demolished. So we want freedom. And then the other thing is perfect love casts out fear. So in our society, not just the United States, but around the world, anxiety is like growing and growing and growing. Now we also have a media that likes to make us afraid and throw stuff at us all the time and exacerbate that fear. But anxiety and faith can't exist together. They just can't. If I know who God is and I know he's in control of everything. So let's think that through for a second. Um, I'm going to be God for a second. Just bear with me, right? I know everything about Ellen. I know every possible thing she's going to do, every outcome of every possible choice that she's going to make. I love her so much. I want what's best for her. I'm going to use everything that comes her way for good that I'm going to allow this thing to happen because I know I can do this out of it. I'm not going to let this thing happen because I know that's going to hurt her in a way that's not going to help her to grow. I have perfect knowledge of every hair on her head. I lost half my hair in COVID. Did anybody else have that happen? Like, yeah? Yeah, half my head fell. Anyway, sorry. I have these chickens that come by. Um, but if I'm God and I know your life, then what's around the corner you don't need to know about? I got it. I have all of eternity to figure out what to do about that particular situation for you. So, but if I don't trust God, if I don't believe he's good, then I got to control my life. Then all of those what ifs out there, and there's so many of them, get bigger and stronger and more powerful and more debilitating. The more I know about God, the more faith I have in who he is, not his trunk, not his tail, all of him, the more I just rest in his arms and go, okay, you got this. Whatever happens, you got this. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to have anxiety. I can get off your throne because I really suck at being God. 
I can't control anything. Can't control my next heartbeat. I found that one out personally, right? Um, I can trust him. I don't have to be anxious. As a matter of fact, in scripture, 365 references to don't be afraid. I think he's trying to tell us something. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, but that's one for every day. Don't be afraid. Why? Because he's God. Because he's other. Because he is powerful and wise and loving and present with us right this very moment. So in that, um, in his presence devotional, it's 21 days, so it won't even last for our whole thing, but it's designed to get us into the habit of God is here, God is here, God is here. So I was counseling with the little girl the other day and she was afraid at night and I was like, telling her about how God is always there. And I'm like, you know, when you went to the bathroom today, God was there. And she's like, ew, right? When you work with kids, you got to keep them laughing. Um, but helping her to see, and she was able to come to this understanding that when I'm in bed at night, Jesus is right next to me. I'm like, yeah, he is. You're safe. And as she started to think about it, she's like, I don't need to be afraid at night. I'm like, no, you don't. Because that God is still there with you. So what can we actually know about God, right? So we can get his tail, his tusk, right? Um, Well, he says, when you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. He's not hiding. He's not holding out. He's just waiting for us to go. (sighs) My favorite thing is, how's that working out for you, right? I'm trying to be God of my life and control everything. How's that working out for you? He's just waiting for me to go, it's not working out. Can you help me? He's like, yeah. I'm right here. I want to help you. There is no detail of your life that is too small for me to deal with. So he will be found. Um, he tells us who he is in his word. And again, we had to look at all of it. We have to look at all of the places. Luckily, when I was in seminary, there's people way smarter than me that did all that work. And they were able to teach me. Here's all the scriptures about this and about that. Uh, to get out of seminary, to graduate, you have to have these doctrinal statements. You have to go, they can ask you anything. And you have to go, here it is in scripture, and here it is in scripture, and here it is in scripture, and here it is in scripture, so that you could work your way through scripture on any theological topic going, like if they said, who is God? Show me how you came up with this understanding. And that's the only way to be safe is that it's coming right out of the Bible. And not cherry-picked one verse, but all the way through the context of Scripture, no matter what the attribute is that we're looking at. He shows us in creation, like me up in Colorado, looking at the sky, going, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. How can I say there's no God when I see something like this? Romans tells us the same thing. Creation declares God, and so we are without excuse. We're also without excuse in Romans 2, where it says, I gave you a conscience. Um, did anybody have a toddler that ran away with a cookie they knew they weren't supposed to have? Right? He places his law within us. Even unbelievers know what's right and wrong. And as much as we want to say, well, that's your truth. No, there is only one truth. And we all know what's right and what's wrong. Doesn't mean we follow it, 
But he has placed that understanding in us partly so we would know how wrong we are and that we need a savior. Um, And his son, Jesus Christ, came. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So we have scripture, we have creation, we have conscience. We have God himself taking on flesh, walking around and letting us see how loving and good and kind and gentle and right between the eyes for some of the people, right, with truth. He gave us what we needed. So Jesus is also part of how we know who God is. So I've got this really cool thing. Has anybody ever done um, um, Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God? Yeah? No? It's an older book. Um, But one of the things he had in there is these titles and descriptions of God. I'm going to send a few your way. Thank you. And so what we can do and what I want you to do later, not tonight, is, oh, thank you. Here's some more. Is start to look at that list and you can start to go, I know God. Actually, I'll let it pass for a second. I'll take some water. So God tells us a lot about who he is, and this is some of what he tells us about who he is as God, the Father, who he is as God, the Son, who he is as God, the Holy Spirit. If you read through this, you can check off, I know you this way, I know you this way, oh my gosh, I've experienced you this way, and then you can also see other places, hey, Amanda, is there more? Okay. Rita needs one. Um, We can also see places where we can learn more about God, where we can know more of who he is. And we can never come to the bottom of him. We can never come to the end of him because he's immeasurable. So even in eternity, we'll be continually learning about God. But I loved loved this because um, it helps me to see that God is bigger than what I think he is. It's kind of like when I work with men, um, I'll say, what do you feel? They're usually angry or sad or unfortunately horny or um, (laughs) they have very limited normally amounts of emotions that they can tell me. So I have paperwork that gives them emotion words and descriptions so that they can start to have a better vocabulary that better explains what's going on inside of them. This tells us more about who God is, explains more of who he is. Do yeah. Which one? With all the emotions. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually called Identifying Your Fear Dance, and it's how a couple works together. But I'll see what I can find for you. I can probably print out the emotion part. Um, so... We have the titles and descriptions you can look through and see how you've experienced him and how you want to experience him. Um, Sometimes people say, why did I have to go through so much? And it's like, you have a way of understanding God that people that didn't go through that can't. You may know him as your heavenly counselor in a way someone else can't. You may know him as the great physician and healer in a way someone else can't. You may know him as your strong tower, as someone that didn't go through what you went through can. So 
I always say things that nothing happens to us, it happens for us. Everything happens for us if I use it that way. If I stop going, why is this happening? And I instead go, what are you trying to teach me? How are you trying to grow me? Now everything is for me. So we've been talking about God and we're going to, and he is in the room. So instead of head knowledge, we're going to go experiential. So we're going to, I'm going to get real Pentecostal and charismatic on you guys. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, So God is here. So let's spend some time with him. So everybody close your eyes and no one's going to look at you except maybe me. Um, So close your eyes. And just recognize there's someone else in the room that we maybe haven't noticed. Maybe haven't paid attention to. God Almighty is with each one of us. He's here corporately, but he's also intimately there with you. The one that knew your name on the cross. The one that delighted in you before he made the universe is right there with you. Just allow yourself to feel his presence with you. everybody ready or able to come into his presence raise your hand if you're having an issue okay so Christ is there and Lord what is it you want to give to your daughter is it something you want to tell her is it something you want to show her is it a release of some kind of an emotion she's been carrying you love her You are glad to be with her. You are at peace with her. Just lavish all that upon your daughter. All right. So you guys can open your eyes. How did that go? Okay, what did the Lord tell you? you say anything specific to anybody that they were willing to share? That he was raining upon us. Oh, I love that. Just because of... I got rain, too. Yeah. That's a form of lavishing, isn't it? Yeah, he's raining upon us. Um, often when I work with uh, people in counseling, they've never felt his presence before. And, uh, and that just breaks my heart. How do we grow up in Christian churches? How do we go to church on Sunday and not feel the presence of God? When I come into his presence, there's just peace. There's joy. There's this weight off the shoulders. There's this verse that says, I'm like a weaned child with his mother. I just get to just hang out and rest. So in practicing the presence of God, we're going to be doing this a lot. I want you just to be experiencing God as much as you can. Um, Every day for a few minutes, read something that sets your mind going. Um, I'm kind of a knucklehead, so I have to do things to remind myself because I go hours and then I'm like, oh, I even forgot there was a God. Anybody else? (laughs) And then I kind of go, I'm sorry. But 
it's like children playing. They forget their parent is watching over them. So he's still glad to be with me, even though I do that. But one of the things that I do is I have this big clunky permanent bracelet. It doesn't come off. And every time I write, every time I type, this thing is in the way constantly. And it's God's way of going, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Because I needed something physical to help me to remember that he is always here. And since I'm on the computer a lot during the day, um, I recognize he's there a lot. So, so I want to ask you guys, if, as we've been talking, is there anything in your understanding of God or your theology that you're thinking, I want to know more about this? Or here's something I've grappled with? Because I want this to be interactive, and I know I've talked the entire time. Miss Tanya. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious to learn more about uh, how you talked about faith, having faith and anxiety as someone who struggles and past, probably future. Okay. 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 Just dig into that deeper. Okay. Um, I would love to help you with that. Um, I have a whole anxiety course online um, that's consisting of a bunch of different books. And there's even videos on there that you can watch that calm your body down. Um, The book itself, the main part of the course is called Released from Fear. And it is discovering the joy of an anxiety-free um, life. So in the book is how I talk about this is spiritual warfare. Anxiety is spiritual warfare. This is the evil one using the world to make us fearful, to make us go, is God good? Can I trust him? Maybe I should what if this so I can figure out what's coming next and then I can take control over it. Um, Anxiety is a hypervigilance instead of vigilance. So we move from proper vigilance, which is um, understanding that things can go wrong, right? Wearing your seatbelt, all that kind of stuff, to a hypervigilance, which says, oh my gosh, anything could happen at any moment. I am not safe, right? So in the garden, they were supposed to be vigilant. They were supposed to be looking at the earth and caring for it. Now we move to a whole different world. So Tanya, if you want, I will definitely get you signed up in there. You can dive in. Same? Okay. So anyone that wants to be in the anxiety course, let me know afterwards and I'll um, put you on my list and I'll let, I have, I have a virtual assistant. It's so cool. She's in the Philippines and she's amazing. And She made the books up for me, and uh, she runs all of my online stuff. So just have to give, she'll send you a login for those. Um, But anxiety is, if he tells me 365 times not to fear, that's the same as anxiety, right? Um, He even goes into, in Philippians, be anxious for nothing, right? But with everything by thanksgiving, supplication, thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, Why doesn't that work? Because we don't do the rest of the passage. 
be anxious for nothing is a command. And so we tell God, this is what I'm worried about. And there's legitimate reasons to be worried about things. Not making light, there's lots of things to worry about. But I tell it to the God who actually can do something about it. And then there's another command. Think on these things. So what he's saying is, with my anxious thoughts, tell them what's going on. Okay, I gave it to God. My father is in charge of making this okay. And then he says, now here's what your part is. Control your thoughts. So I have a take charge of your mind book in there. Um, so that you can start to think on what's good and right and holy and true rather than what's anxious. If I don't control my mind, I give it to God and take it right back. I give it to God and I take it right back. And then I feel shame that I took it back. And I feel shame that I've got anxiety. But when I start to go, God is good. And so therefore, I'm going to start thinking things that Christ would think in my situation There's one more command in there in the Greek. I love Greek. It's very precise. It is basically do the next right thing. It's what you've learned. Do these things. So the three commands are give God your anxious idea. Now control your thoughts and then just keep moving and do the next right thing. As I'm doing that, my anxiety starts to leave and I get to see God work. And it starts the passage with the God of peace is with you. And it ends that passage with and the God of, and the peace that passes understanding will be with you. So I only have peace on both ends when I'm doing the three commands in there. Because there are lots of things to be anxious about. And we could think of if we were just to write out all the things that could worry us. We'd be here the rest of the night, right? Because it's just lots of them. Read. You said it was give to God and then do the the, the next right thing. What was in the middle? Uh, think on these things. In other words, control your thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do when the scripture says take every thought captive to Christ, it's you get a thought. Okay. Some of them are from the enemy. Some of them are just random. Some of them are my fear. And I hold it up to Christ and go, would you think this? And he's like, uh, no, <laughs> uh, no, because I'm God, I've got this, whatever. So I take the thought captive to him, and then I go on to thinking what he would think. What's of good report, what's virtuous, everything in that passage. I can never remember the whole list, because depends on which version you read, how they go. But yeah, um, what I hope you didn't hear me say was that if you have anxiety, you should be ashamed or you don't have faith. Because that is not my message at all. My message with anxiety and why I did that course is because we need the tools to be able to go, what do I do in a fallen world with fallen angels and fallen people and death and disease and war and pandemics? And how do I, what do I do with all of that? And so when I take this to scripture, he shows us a way out. But thanks for bringing that up. I was glad you did. All right. Who else? Because otherwise we're going to end early and just hang out and talk to each other. So we've got like 15 minutes. So, yes. Okay. And 
enlightened everything, the power of the tongue. So you learn to watch your words. And the thing that bothered me is you said it broke my heart. Um, I actually, there is a physical condition called broken heart syndrome. There is, yes. Oh. So I was in intensive care for 18 days. And I did die and go to heaven. It was really neat. (laughs) (laughs) Right. um, But that just kind of hit me on the head. In a good way or a bad way? I wanted to say, no, don't say that. Oh. But our hearts do get broken over. They should. I understand that there's a physical condition called broken heart syndrome. But our hearts should break for the same things God's heart breaks for. We should grieve for what he grieves for. We should look at what's going on in the world and in the church and grieve where we don't look like Christ, where we don't act like him, where we don't love like him. That does hurt my heart a lot when I see how we can treat each other. It should not be. It just shouldn't be. Um, I have a, a saying that, The church shoots its wounded. And that comes from years of counseling people who have been gone to their pastoral staff. Not our church, because our church is cool. Um, But, and been, especially women, and been really hurt. Um, I've seen too many people argue with their husband in the car and then put on their smile as they walk across the parking lot. Because we're not supposed to be broken, and we are. Everybody's broken this side of heaven to some degree. We're not supposed to be anything but Christian and happy and life is good. And it doesn't work that way. But if I have to act that way, then I don't get to be in a Bible study where I go, I am so angry with God right now. Because that's not a Christian thing to do. That's not the right thing to say. I don't care about the right thing to say. I want us to come to Christ and let him heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free, whatever that looks like. I want to walk into church and when someone says, how are you? I'm like, not good. So that they can take me and pray with me and help me. We got to stop shooting our wounded and just go limp into church if you need to. Make it obvious that you need someone to love you with the love of Christ that is in them, with the God who resides in them. The Holy Spirit took up residence inside of us. We always have the resources we need. We always have the words we need. If we just let him help us, right? All right, so has this been helpful tonight as we get started? Great. So next week, come prepared to talk, because I'm not going to talk as much next week. Next week is us discussing what God showed you, questions that you have, concerns that you have, wounds that need healed. Today's introductory. So next week, you guys are on. What's that one? Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, So Miss Ellen's going to do a benediction over us. Um, And then I think we can just talk for about 10 minutes because I want to get us out on time because I like to be on time. Okay.
So this is actually a very old prayer. Um, it's a Celtic prayer, and it's been in the what's well, called the Common Book of Prayer hmm. for centuries. And I modified it a little, but I, please think carefully. And I, I, I just want to pray this over us. Okay? okay. May the peace of Christ go with you. I'm going to jump up wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he lead you out to ponder all the wonders he has shown you and bring you back rejoicing once again into these doors. Amen. 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 Amen.